As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Can a goal scorer complete a brace? What do you do with knackered dark horses? Who exactly are England fans clamouring for now? How quickly can you become that man at a major tournament? Is Hal Robson Carnu the first punditry mercenary and the art of player ratings? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this... It's football cliches. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £1 a month for six months. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 76 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is David Walker. How's your wall chart going? Well, I mean, those of you who listen to the podcast but don't follow me on Twitter, which is, I imagine, probably almost all of you, um, won't know that um, I posted in the week saying that I'd lost the pen that I started filling the wall chart in with midway through, which caused me something of an existential crisis. Um, I couldn't find it. So I had to just plow on. So, I hadn't, so annoyingly, I do now have the wall chart half and half filled in with two different pens. And the latest uh, woe that I am experiencing with the wall chart is now we're getting to the stage, obviously, where we're recording this after Italy, Wales and that uh, Group A games concluding. Mm. I've got to actually write on the wall chart, like properly write it, not just numbers. You can fill out the groups put the names in for the next round and there's not a great deal of space in the box for the teams for the next round and I've got quite big letters and that and that stressed oh, me out a bit no. and also the wall isn't very even 
the surface isn't very even. Oh, and that's using, really unsatisfying. Yeah, that's using really a biro. See, the pen oh. that I lost was like a felt tip, and that was perfect. But I'm now oh. using a biro, and it's biro on a hard surface. That, yeah, that's a really. I, I feel that it's a very unsatisfying sensation. Um, first question for you then today: the sight of a team subbing their goalkeeper off in the 89th minute for no urgent reason is that the sign of a two-bob international tournament? It's not great, is it? Just I don't know. Just makes a mockery of the whole thing, really, doesn't it? Agreed. Absolutely no reason for Italy to be uh, getting their um, old number two goalkeeper on in the 80th minute um, I, I'm told that the theory behind it is that Roberto Mancini has vivid memories of, of going to a tournament and not playing a single minute and didn't want that to happen to his right. to his goalkeeper uh, so presumably this was the least riskiest moment for him to give him a minute are you but behind this mentality or not I'm not behind it in general I didn't like it, it didn't sit well with me seeing that keeper come on <laughs> in the last minute a- along with a, a raft of, of of other subs from both teams. It's very much strayed into international friendly territory. Mm. But if that is the theory from Mancini, fair enough. But then presumably he's going to have to put the other keeper on at some point. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. But um, so so it, does, it doesn't sit right with you, but it, I presume it doesn't leave a bitter taste in your mouth. They haven't gone that far. No. No, okay. Just okay. mildly annoyed. Okay, fair enough. Um, anyway, alongside you is James Moore. James, on Friday night, Airtricity League outfit Bray Wanderers tweeted... And another, Joe Doyle completes his brace in injury time. James, can you complete a brace? I don't. I don't think you can. To me, the the completion kind of alludes to something that a player has set out to do. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm not an elite sportsman, so I'm not kind of into all that kind of visualization mm. stuff. Obviously, I don't think any player pictures himself uh, scoring twice. You know, you might imagine one particular goal that you're going to score and visualize every element of that yeah. and how you're going to do it. Or if you're really ambitious, you're going to kind of visualize yourself scoring a hat trick. Fine. But I don't think you visualize yourself scoring twice. No, like when you're a kid growing up, you don't imagine scoring two goals in the FA Cup final, do you? You score the winner or you score a hat trick. And to me, I I kind of feel like to complete a thing in this sense, you need to have set out to do it. And no one is setting out to score two goals in the game. This is very good. But I I didn't expect you to go down the kind of player centric route. Dave, what's your opinion on this? I think, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I can't quite explain what my issue is with it. I mean, it's just that maybe just braces aren't a thing. They're they're just incidental, or as a hat trick is a a packaged thing that you complete. I don't think I could really put it into words either. I I think James is correct. And I think you're right that the word incidental is correct. It's a thing that just happens. Hmm. You scored one, that's just a, a man scoring a goal or a woman. Um, and they, they scored another one. Oh, oh, and it's all of a sudden they've got a brace. But, when, but if a, they've got two goals and you, there's time left to complete the hat trick, the hat trick is a proper thing that we will hmm. all be, as soon as the second goal goes in and there's enough time left, you know, we're all thinking about, oh, that person's on a hat trick. I think I think the brace is just something, it's just a nice thing that happens. If you score two goals, oh, well done, you've bagged a brace. You've not completed it because I think James is right. You're not setting out to do it in the first place because it's not really that important. The term brace was definitely a thing that was coined between someone coming up with the word goal <laughs> and someone coming up with the word hat trick. And then it decided they needed to describe the thing in between. I, I, right? I can only assume so. I mean, yeah, we're, we're getting close to this, definitely. I just It's just that maybe they are they are essentially equal. They're similar concepts, a brace and a hat trick. They, they describe a number of goals but the hat-trick is just so prestigious and so established and the brace isn't that it isn't there to be completed but no fair play to Bray Wanderers they held their hands up straight away without any prompting from anybody but yeah bagged yes completed no but on to Euro 2020 matters Dave Italy versus Wales 
on Sunday evening. A, a, a curious game for, for many reasons. Um, first of all, the delightful revelation that Italy have held on to their unofficial World Football Championship title. I, I'm, I really like this concept. I really like this concept that um, journalist Paul Brown created, that he, he traced the the kind of boxing style world championship all the way back to the the first ever win in international football when Scotland beat England in 1873 and uh, and the, the title's been sort of passed long ever since and I, I just think it's a really sound concept it, I don't think it should ever be the official way of doing things but I really like it I really like it, it should be kind of welcomed by FIFA as a thing they should have a belt or something for it in the same way that Tyson Fury proclaims himself to be the lineal world champion of yeah. boxing because he lost his titles due to his ban and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It is interesting. I looked on the Wikipedia page earlier on and Scotland are top. Like, I mean, they're not the lineal world champion in this in this sense, but they, mm. in terms of winning the most amount of games, I don't... They've won the is, most does... championship games, you know, where the title right. was on the line, but that's very late 19th century heavy. Just because they were the first ones. Yeah, yeah. So they just got a lot of defences in early doors. Um, but it's a very thorough Wikipedia page, James. I mean, I mean, it lists all the defences that Italy have had over the last sort of, 20 games or so and all their top scorers in that period, which is something I would never need to know. I would never need to know this, but I'm so glad that someone takes it this seriously. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that, yeah, you, you're really only going to look at, like, you know, when you're suffering from mm. insomnia or something, like, and you can't mm. sleep and you've looked at all the other more interesting parts <laughs> of Wikipedia. And like you say, it's kind of one of those things that, I'm not interested, but I'm glad someone's done yes, it. Yes, I completely agree. Um, well done to Paul Brown and those who've carried it on. Elsewhere in this game, Dave, uh, much more minor matters. The perennially satisfying moment when a manager has to control the ball in his own technical area when it flies from, when it drops from the sky. Uh, that man, of course, was Roberto Mancini. I, I, the sort of manager you want the ball to fall to in these circumstances. And uh, um, it, a great shot of him controlling this ball. It was coming straight at him in the air and he, he sort of backpedaled like a striker would, you know, really, really controlled. And um, and his first touch was kind of like raising his leg behind him with, a, with kind of outside of his boot, keeping it within his playing distance. It was all very, very stylish. And of course, it got the kind of Mancini still got it kind of chat. Uh, but <laughs> it made me think, if that ball had fallen for Robert Page or Rob Page, as some may call him, what what's... What element of his game would require him to still have it? Uh, well, I've watched Robert Page a lot during his mm. career as he was a, a Watford captain of many seasons. And it would either be, he'd have to completely lose lose all his senses and just be overtaken with the moment and the excitement in the same way that if the ball ever was to fall to you in the crowd and you have the opportunity yes. to line it up and go for the header, I mm. think that's what he'd do. I think he'd think, okay, I could catch it and give it back to the fullback, but actually... This is mine. I'm going to go for it. Pages, and then yeah. oh, the shout as well. <laughs> no, no, we, we joke. But I genuinely love to. Would love to see a manager do that. I, although I sense it might be a booking. Like given the distances that may be That's involved, you'd probably get booked for it. But Mancini. No, we, everyone was giving Mancini praise for that because I mean, you know, oh look at him. He's so stylish, isn't he? And his nice mm. blazer and his nice tie. <laughs> but you mm. know, as if yeah, all right, get over it. He's Italian. He looks good. Yeah. Okay, but he didn't quite. It was so nearly perfect. He, mm. he controlled it, but it sort of didn't go to the plate. It actually hit into his back. Like, it was just so close to being brilliant, but actually mm. it wasn't quite perfect. I, I'm glad you said that, Dave, because I, I actually thought it was rubbish and everyone was going on about it. No, it's really low. He, if it had been in a game, he would have lost <laughs> yeah, the ball. Absolutely <laughs> right. Do you remember that was absolutely one? Absolutely right. I, I, feel, I, I think it was Dragan Stojkovic, and I can't think where Japan, he was landing. It might yeah. have been in Japan, but there Japan. was one where he, like, volleyed it from the technical area like yeah. into the goal, like come from kind of 50 or 60 yards away. 
do that or no, do nothing at right. all. Right. Um, so many questions about this, but um, first of all, James, I've noticed a pattern of behaviour here that whenever managers do this, and and, and whilst I realise they are in the heat of battle when this happens, it's it's a very similar concept to when goalkeepers save penalties. They don't. There's no joy. They, why do they remain so stern-faced after they've done it? As if, yeah, so what? I, they, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's false modesty, yes, isn't it? Completely. It's the same false modesty. They're, they're absolutely desperate for like, all the coaching staff to kind of mm. pat them on the back. And there was someone there on the Italian coaching staff kind of applauding yeah. ludicrously. It's just, it's just sycophancy, isn't yeah. it? It's pathetic. I mean, all part, of this, uh, all part of this scene, Dave, is that Mancini is this increasingly ludicrous figure. I mean, I, mean, ha- I don't... There's a there's a limit to how cool one man can be, and I think he's he has he has reached it and passed it. Yeah, where do we stand on the the way that he casually holds the jacket <laughs> over the shoulder in the post match interview? <laughs> For me, I think that's a step I too far. Don't like it. That was so ostentatious. <laughs> that 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 was one of those things done entirely with Twitter in mind, wasn't it? He must have known. That's what that was all about. I, have you I ever done that? Like, like on the holiday, or even on a hot day, or something? If you or actually maybe not. No, yeah, su- it's summer not wedding. hot enough, but you've, ta- you've taken the jacket out because you're not sure if it's going to necessarily be hot enough to not wear the jacket. Yeah. And you've got the jacket and you think, well, I could have it over the arm, but I'll just try it on the shoulder. And within seconds, you know, this, I it's can't not comfortable. do this. It's ridiculous. It, it, you're, you're, all of your body says this is not a comfortable way to hold your jacket. And plus, as you say, with the added thing of this is just going to make me look like a dick. And um, I, obviously, Mancini can carry it off, um, but I couldn't. And uh, But mm. yeah, I mean, how many fingers do you employ in, in the collar of the coat? I would go for a grip myself. I would go for th- thumb and index <laughs> finger. Interesting. Ooh. Not using your I fingers think, as a I hook. think that's a risk. That's a yes. crease risk. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you're, yeah you'd be squashing the material, surely. All these reasons are why we should never do it. Ever yes, again. absolutely. Um, meanwhile, in Group A, James, some spectacular de-dark horsing of Turkey. I mean, I admit to being duped here. Uh, I was, I was well and truly duped by the dark horsing of Turkey pre-tournament. But I put it to you that it, it, that duping is very easily done. I mean, if I said to you that um, Country X are a brilliant team, they are at the, they're one of the favourites for the tournament. You would, you would probably fact check it either in your brain or elsewhere you'd say i'm not sure about this i I, I don't think that good similarly if i said this team are rubbish they are gonna stink the place out you would have said i don't think they're that bad but the thing is with dark horses it's it's this implication that i know something that you don't and you just have to go oh okay interesting oh well i'll keep an eye out for them so dark horsing is is kind of this extension of the the old concept of football hipsterdom where it's kind of just this kind of well i won't question you because i sense that you probably know something well, yeah, I mean, quite aside from the fact that more or less everyone thought they were going to do well. So therefore, they weren't really dark horses, were they? Because everyone just thought I they were going to do yeah, well. Okay. I, and, and, but it seemed to, I don't know whether this thing kind of spread like... It did. Like a sort of Chinese whispers thing. Like one person said, but, and I know for a fact that our colleague Michael Cox said that they were going to do right. well. I remember reading him having written that. And I wonder whether, I'm not suggesting he started it, but what, one person says they might do okay. Then that becomes like three or four people down the line. Oh, they're going to do really well. They're going to get to the semi-finals, and then suddenly everyone's saying this team are going to be like in an outside chance of winning it. And like, I mean, when was the last time you watched a a Turkish Super League game? I mean, I can't even think. The only bit of Turkish football I've seen in the last few years is that Mm. Denver Bar Mm. goal against Man United. That's it. I've not seen any other Turkish football. There's no reason to think that they were going to do well. I mean, it, it's bizarre, really, when you think about it. And yeah. I got caught up in that completely. And I, I thought, oh, yeah, I could see Turkey winning the opening. You know, we did a prediction mm. thing in the office. And I was like, oh, Turkey, Italy looked quite good. But I think Turkey could win that opening game. Yeah. For no yeah, reason. 
other than people like Michael Cox how said... Much, how much do we pay this guy? He hasn't, he hasn't got a clue. He does not know the game. This is ludicrous. I completely got taken in by, by Coxie as well, uh, doing, the, doing, doing his <laughs> podcast, uh, listening to his reasons. And he was take, talking about Yilmaz, the striker mm. that's had a really good season in France, his last, probably his last ever tournament, and a couple of young players. <laughs> absolute cart horse, you know, playing, by the way. Playing at, yeah, absolutely terrible. And didn't look like scoring at any point, really, <laughs> apart from one chance near the end against City. He's got 40 goals a season every season but, for the last like mm. 20 years. And every time I watched him play, <laughs> to the point garbage. where I put money on them, I put an each way bet on them to, to, to win the tournament. I was completely taken in by it. The moment that I was concerned was when the dark horse dumb reached Alan Shearer. He uh. back, he in the in the preview show, I think, or the first game, Shearer was like, Well, Turkey are a good team. And I thought, you know, with all due respect to Alan Shearer, I, I just don't know if he's watched them recently. I think he's he's listened to who he, some he's probably read Michael Cox's piece, who he respects, and 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 completely has made a sound decision to back Coxie and go with Turkey. And then I thought, oh, I'm not sure if if Shear is going on national TV and backing Turkey. I'm I'm a bit concerned now, mm. and so it so it proved disastrous. Yeah, I mean they ended up in the semi-finals of my predictor, and I, I have there's no logic to it whatsoever. <laughs> do you think this? Did you think this happened in other countries, or was it just in England? Was it just us? Well, I'd be curious to know whether whether people in other countries were kind of were kind definitely. of taken in by this. As I definitely. Well. Um, What's the I, German word for dark horse? <laughs> oh, GCSE German flooding in. Can I do it? No, I can't. Um, but no, James, James, you're definitely onto something here. It's definitely a kind of Chinese whispers aspect of this. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I need to return very briefly to Italy versus Wales. Dave, because um, Jamie Stringer writes in about Italy's goal and he says, can we get a ruling on excellent work? Italy lead through a goal from Piscina after excellent work from Verratti, according to the commentator. I'm not sure a free kick qualifies as excellent work. Now, now, Dave, he's obviously completely right here. But the next natural question this podcast must ask is what constitutes excellent work or great work? I think it requires... You've got to do like more than one thing in a in a in a movement. You know, beating a player and making a pass, or mm. taking the ball down and releasing it in one go. Like doing something that's more than one action. It's a it's a body of work. It's a, it's a small, tiny little body of work that we that we appreciate. It's not just a good pass on its own or a, or a set piece delivery. Good start. Good foundation here, James. Talk me through great work or excellent work that leads to a goal. I think there probably needs to be some element of it being like like slightly off the cuff. And I guess with like a free kick routine, it's presumably a thing they practice on the training mm. ground. So the work they've done there has already occurred mm. in the training ground, right? So I think with with this, uh, the work has already been done and, uh, you know, it would require some kind of moment of ingenuity to, to qualify. Okay. Well, my theory is that the, the clue here lies in the word work and it's, it, this isn't necessarily about creativity necessarily. I think it's about running with the ball or... Yeah, running with the ball a certain distance. And I, I, I would say it's predominantly in a wide area as well. After great work from Aaron Lennon or something like that, you know, really running the channels and progressing the ball either a certain distance and or past one or two players. So I, I, what I'm saying is he's the player who set that goal up, as Dave suggests, has to have done, has to pro- progress the play maybe one or two stages, uh, you know, from... It not being a potential goal to very much being a goal. So doing a lot of the build-up himself. They've I almost say. done the work. They've done the work of two players. 
yeah, you've done the work place. here already. I'm essentially just mm. finishing it off. I mean, mm. yeah, I've basically just repeated what you said, which is which is fun, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> um, a very good point, a very good question. But I think we can all agree that set pieces could never be constant, could never ever be defined as excellent work before a goal. Thank you, Jamie Stringer. Thank you very much, James. Important, important issue now. Clamour watch, clamour watch, because. The dust has settled on England nil, Scotland nil. Who are we clamouring for now? I don't think I'm entirely sure. I, I think it is just still inexplicably <laughs> Grealish, despite it, 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 despite him, one, having actually come on, and mm. two, not really doing mm. that much when he did come on. And the thing that really struck me on Friday night, and, and I'm, maybe this has happened before, but I, I just don't really remember it in an England game. Like, the clamour now starts on social media, like 20 minutes mm. into the match. Now, before it would be, you know, 6.06 that evening or like, you know, opinion pieces in the mm. next morning. Paper live clamouring. Live clamouring. Real-time clamouring. Exactly. Minute-by-minute clamouring. And yeah, and it'll be 20 minutes into the game. And, you know, occasionally a, a TV commentator will reference Twitter. Actually, they won't say Twitter, will they? They'll social say on social media. Like they do on Ch- Towers. Chatter on social yeah. media. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, yeah, you can see the clamour could actually come into, into the kind of mainstream media experience mm. of the game so yeah I, I think it is greenish now isn't it the San- Sancho weirdly is the kind of Sancho's the dark horse the clamour dark horse yeah I think it? Sancho is the yeah, hipster yeah, choice yeah exactly he's hipster clamour Oh, do you think? I, th- I just feel like we're just between clamouring stools at the moment. I mean, Grealish came on, but he didn't start, so there's technically still clamouring left for that, Dave. But I, I do believe the clamouring has started, so I think we've overlapped our clamouring, which is yeah. possibly unheard of for England at a major tournament. But there's no doubt, and James is completely right, that Grealish is still very much your mainstream clamour. Your average man with, or again women, with, with flags on their cars is still clamouring for Grealish. But yes. there are there are particular people... Is there a growing clamour? A growing there's a, gro- there's, a there's a sigh there's a very there's a very quietly growing clamour for Sancho <laughs> going you know you know you do know that he's one of the best players in the Bundesliga don't you mm. and you know Calvin Phillips has never played in the Champions League mm. and he's on the pitch and there's all the uh, like you know and I'm I'm not 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 disagreeing with any of these people I think Sancho is mm. an excellent player and I personally would at least get him on the pitch at some point just give him yeah. give him a go but I think Grealish is still. He's still the one. Grealish is going to... We're recording this at nine o'clock on Sunday evening, and so we haven't seen Monday morning's papers. But I will predict now, Jack Grealish's face will appear on two-thirds of uh, England's uh, tabloid newspapers, or actually any newspapers. He'll be on the back of all the papers, won't he? It'll be, all the chat will be about Jack Grealish. Um, Adam, can I, can I put something yes. to you quickly? So you can have a clamour to get a player into a team. Can you have a clamour to get a player out of a team? No, because if so, there is no. there's definitely a clamour for Harry Kane to be. No, judged, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, the the same sentiment level of sentiment exists, but the, the simply the word clamour cannot be used to remove a player from a team. I, I mean, there are hard and fast rules here. You, you've seen enough tournaments. You of know course. this. You know, I need to. Well, this is why I've come no, to No, that's you. fine. You're absolutely right. I need to do some very quick calculations um, um, for my next observation. I've never had to do this before, so I don't know how. It sounds like high-end. No, it, 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 it's not the maths. It's the it's the mechanics of working it out. I'm nearly done. Uh, the thing about Grealish, Dave, I mean, we could be at the peak of the Grealish clamour for reasons already mentioned. But I, I should point out that um, Grealish's name contains 71.4% of the letters in the word unleash. <laughs> And and we know that that's worth waiting yes, for, isn't it? And we, and we know that unleash is the calling card of the clamour. But he has been unleashed, as James alluded to already. We, no, you got unleashing from the start. Unleashing well, that's, from the start. But that's that's, that's the caveat, fully unleashed. Isn't it? That's that's 
that his his um the people clamouring for Grealish will use that in their defence to say, oh, but he didn't get to start, and the game was you know Scotland had already dropped too deep by that point, and mm. you know he didn't have enough time to influence the in half an hour didn't have actually have enough time to do something. Well, this but, is important because he, yeah he he was he was introduced as sub and didn't obviously didn't change the game and didn't set the world alight. So, I mean, if anything, the, the, the clamouring should lessen. He's already been unleashed partially, didn't impress. So the full unleashing isn't going to make any difference. It's, this isn't like Owen 98 where he changed the game against Romania and, uh, and was then the urge was to unleash him in the next game. So I think we're in a real clamouring crisis, James, quite frankly. I don't think we know what we're doing. No, I mean, I, I mean, I suppose that's the uh, that's what comes with having decent young players at your disposal. This isn't a situation that really England have been into often, is it? There's, the clamour has always been for yes. one player. It's always, been, it's always been quite binary, hasn't it? There's basically been an 11 and then there's been one guy on the outside who people are suggesting to be coming in. Now there seem to be kind of three or four different options we're going to come to a very left field one in a minute, I think, from uh, from a friend, yeah. Mr. Keys. And, and yeah, I mean, it does. I, I don't know. Maybe that means it won't be Grealish on the back pages. Maybe there'll be some differing so, opinions. Yeah, maybe we are ready to move on to Sancho. We're certainly ready to move on in this podcast, at least. Um, yes, make sure that you clamour accurately because inaccurate clamouring, as we we're about to find out, could land you in hot water. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So many hot takes about England at the moment, Dave, but um, I think it's time for us to check in with our friends in the land of hot takes, which is be in sports. A few, a few things to share from the last few days. I think this collection of words were inevitable at one stage or another in this tournament. Um, this is the be in sports crew talking about France's equaliser against Hungary, which was... Um, which was generated via a huge launch upfield from Hugo Lloris, and uh, well, the inevitable happened. Sam Allardyce had been in charge of the French team this afternoon. <laughs> no, and, and his goalkeeper no, no. had done that. But We've I know Allison saying, do it. But We've I seen Edison do it. Yeah, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. No, it's not like had, I guarantee you. There's a difference here, Rich. I guarantee you, had France been one nil up, Lloris wouldn't have done that. No chance. <laughs> I just. Why does Sam Allardyce keep landing himself in these theoretical situations, James? <laughs> All I can think of at the moment is how much wine the French Sam Allardyce would drink. <laughs> I, I, don't you dare say pint of wine. You know it's banned from this podcast. It didn't happen. It, didn't, it, happen. it didn't happen. Yeah, but come on. No, no, no chance. No chance. Um, Dave's, <laughs> some, 
a good warm up there for Keys and Gray in this section. Um, Keys really laying it on the line straight away there, which is really good. I did like uh, the the voice you could hear just in the middle of that. Trying to the voice of reason was poor, poor little Gianfranco <laughs> Zola, just oh, trying to God. kind of calm everything down because he sort of knew what was happening. Probably felt a bit like you know a bit awkward because he's the sort of you know the foreign representative on the panel. Mm. Um, but yeah, and Keysy also also trying to justify it. Isn't that sort of a cultural thing? It's, it, he. Um, Zola has the most thankless punditry task of Euro 2020. Um, what I particularly like about Zola's role, I mean, um, in any of the clips I've seen, Dave, I haven't seen him speak. And it's ju- it's just Andy Gray sort of turning to him and explaining something um, as if as if they've just had a sort of, um, their cars have collided in Rome and Andy Gray's got out and tried to explain the situation to this Italian guy. And uh, the whole thing is very unseemly, of course. But um, <laughs> the, the debate escalated post England, Scotland, as they looked ahead to the Czech Republic game. And uh, the, the prevailing hot take of all, which was uh, that Harry Kane should be dropped. Here's how that debate went. This was Paul Robinson trying to defend Harry Kane in a fairly logical way. And Richard Keyes was just not having it. He's the Why? captain. He's the goal scorer. He's well. He's, he's not at his best at the moment. I don't think he's been at his best since the whole transfer saga started at Tottenham, since he put the transfer request in. I don't think he finished the season particularly well at Tottenham. Two games he's been taken off in. One, of course, England were winning and you argue to save him for this afternoon. But... He was taken off there because he wasn't performing, wasn't yeah, he? He's not his best. Like I said, he didn't finish the season strongly, and he certainly. So why have you got started when games. you've got so many other options? Because as your captain, as your goal scorer, and he will score a goal. You're going to need him for the rest of the tournament. You take him out now, you lose him for the tournament. You don't take your captain out of the team just because he's played. He's contributed he's nothing. He's played averagely once. <laughs> Sorry, that reminds me of that bit. For, is it the day today? <laughs> Where Chris Morris says, Michael, you've added nothing. <laughs> it's very it's very Chris Morris. Dave, oh, it, was, it was genuinely tense, wasn't it? It's contributed nothing. Yeah, yeah it, uh, Key's like a you know, like a low-key barrister or something, mm, just mm. completely trying to take apart Robinson's well-meaning defense of, of his fellow professional. I mean Key's, you know, really on sparkling form there. My my I think my favourite bit was when Paul Robinson sort of calmly said, Yeah, I've said that. I I know, I've said that. I've pointed that <laughs> out already. It's fine. I just want to let me carry on. Um, but he's contributed nothing. I'm gonna say that later in this podcast at one of you when you haven't spoken for about two minutes. Um <laughs> the, the England debate continued. Um Gray stuck his oar in as well. And this is this is frankly quite brilliant. Uh, I said a few minutes ago, never inaccurately clamour and uh well, this could be the result. Argument to leave him out. It's who you leave him out for and how you want to play. I mean, you could go Sterling up top. No, you, you, could. you could. You go Watkins or you go Calvert-Lewin. You go a centre-forward that's got a bit of life about him at the moment and a little bit of energy. And sure, that's Sterling what offers you that. Because if you put Sterling no, there, you could get no, Grealish in no, the team. No, no, no. There's an option. It's an option. If you put Sterling there and I'm Calvert-Lewin or Watkins. Yeah. Gareth, right, can we that, have a word, like please? how you want to play, isn't it? Well, he's, not, he's not going to change dramatically the way they play, surely, mid-tournament. He's not going to flip it and play totally different. Are you saying Cavalier and Kane, more of a like-for-like? Like? Yeah, and Watkins, more of a more what? of a, more of a front man, more of a focal point, reference point. Anybody like that? We're using that. I mean, he's not there. I know anyway, Watkins, but we're I'm using just that waiting as an example. Wee man. Can, Someone like that. I can hear his... Oh! <laughs> 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 There's a bit, if you, if you watch the video, then the listeners might not have seen this, there's a bit where you can see Richard Keyes looking off camera just past Andy mm-hmm. Gray and nodding his head just yeah. before he says, obviously we mean people like Watkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can hear, you can almost hear the producer in his ear going, Richard, he's not in the squad. Yeah, such a such a lovely little nod he gives. He says, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I mean, this is a cheap shot from us. I 
It is. It is. I mean, they've mistaken the, the fact that Ollie Watkins is in the England squad, and that that's fine. That's uh, it's not an easy mistake to make. It's actually quite a hard mistake to make, but it, a mistake nonetheless. My favourite part of this clip, Dave, is Andy Gray knocking on his table as if he's knocking mm-hmm. on the manager's door. Yeah, because. <laughs> <Fantastic. laughs> uh, that's that's grey, isn't it? That's visceral. Like he really wants to ram home the point, and he wanted to knock on the manager's door, and uh, he's done it. He's done it. Absolutely. As if I mean, I suppose Gareth Southgate does have an office in St George's Park. Players <laughs> probably could go and knock on his door if they really wanted to. Ollie Watkins is Ollie Watkins actually still there? Are these players still knocking about? Maybe he could actually still do it. But Ollie Watkins knocking on his door saying, well, you could have picked me. He'd just be asking for a chat. He wouldn't mm. be able, I don't think he'd be going in saying, can I play? Because he would know mm. he's not in the squad. But maybe mm. he just wants to go and see everything. Okay, Gareth, you all right? I mean, this is much a cuppa. (laughs) This has made me think that James. I mean, the little I know about St George's Park, I suspect it's very kind of it's very kind of nouveau office environment. I don't think we're talking about wood panelled doors here that you can you could knock on and and then someone sort of (laughs) opens the door and summons you in. I think it's all very kind of you know open plan glass. Uh, and you basically just have to wave. You'd wave at the door. You wave at Gareth Southgate through the door, saying, "Can I? Can I? Can I just? Can I? Can we just five five minutes?" Yeah, yeah, I imagine so. And I imagine Gareth Southgate being a real beckoner as well. I think <laughs> if he saw someone outside lur- lurking outside his office, he'd be very quick to kind of wave them in in a casual way. Probably got his feet up on the desk, you know, very relaxed. I don't, I don't see him being mm. too uh, too kind of uh, huffy about who. He likes yeah, to. I mean, yeah. So if anyone listening did find that um, uh, us picking on the Ollie Watkins shout was a cheap shot, I don't care. There'll be something in that clip that you genuinely love, no matter what it is. I've got one question about the all three of the B in Sports clips and mm. and others that I've heard during this period is: Have they got the aircon on too loud? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there just big sound of a like massive air blowing it? Is it Maybe it's a COVID thing. I don't well, know, but no, it's, it's audibly I mean, loud. They have a quandary there because you know, they want to show off their air conditioning. They, and they famously love to show off their air conditioning mm. in Qatar for the World Cup. <laughs> maybe <laughs> they're just, I don't know. Do we want people to know it's air conditioned or not? Maybe it's the issue they've got. Yeah, there is one clip where it's... Could be man-made clouds, <laughs> I guess. A couple, a couple of uh, bits of correspondence from our listeners. First of all, James... Um, God knows how to read out this username, but I'll give it a try. It's Ariaga2 Season. He says, has anybody ever become that man as quickly as Patrick Schick? Does the rate of that manification speed up at major international tournaments? My initial answer is yes, it does. We're talking about a condensed atmosphere, condensed competitive atmosphere. Yeah. Well, we're suddenly turning into keys here. Um, and <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the gestation period for that manning in, in an international tournament is obviously much less than say the Premier League yeah you need the rhythm of, of big contributions don't you and you know given you get a big game every kind of four or five days in the group mm-hmm. stage yeah it, you, you score in the first two matches then yeah you're already yeah, there aren't you? and then obviously amplified Dave by the fact he scored from 50 yards he's firmly that I can't think of another that man in this tournament I think if he didn't score in a previous game though against uh Croatia, then his that man status could potentially have been in jeopardy. But the fact that he kept himself on the score sheet, he was involved in an incident. He, you know, got smashed in the face, didn't he, before scoring the penalty? So he's yeah. still he's very much still that man. Yeah, he's been could... in and around our consciousness, hasn't he? Mm. Um, I'm, trying, I'm looking at some potential other that men. Ronaldo, I think James, we can rule out. Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> will never be a that man. He, he could be a who else? But he's more than a man, isn't he? Um, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing, or you know, it's Lukaku. It's Lukaku. I, that man? I'd say he's no. probably past that as well, isn't he? Um, Too well known. Yeah, agreed. Then you've got Chiro Immobile, Manuel Locatelli. Manuel Locatelli could be a that man. Mm. What um, about you need uh, to score in multiple games, don't you? Clearly. Robin Robin yeah, Gersens, think, yeah. the German uh, yes. fullback, for the game of his life against Portugal. I mean, Dum- what's his name? Dumfries. Yeah. The Holland scored mm. in both games, didn't he? Does that was that? I don't know. 
It just feels a bit different for a fullback, doesn't it? Like a rampaging yeah. fullback doing it twice. It feels like that's not. No, quite I think what it's okay. Goshen's and Dumfries, but they will need to do it in either their final group game or or the last sixteen. I would say to become that men. But it but it'd be very nice to see fullbacks getting in on the act when it comes to that manning. Mixed up my uh, goal scoring metaphors there. You may you may see. Uh, next up, Dave Patrick B um, asks how Robson Carnu has jumped ship from BBC to ITV before the group stage is even out. Has a pundit ever done that before? I don't know, but I can't imagine it's. I can't imagine it's been out of the question. I can't think of any examples of that. There has been an awful lot of different Welsh pundits. It's not like it's not like um, BBC and ITV have just gone for right. We're going to have Hartson and mm. ITV. We're going to have Robson Carnu. I've mm. seen they had Joe Ledley on today. Robert Earnshaw, Neil Taylor, on the commentary. Yeah. Neil Taylor's been involved. Yeah, yeah. obviously they've got Savage, Savage on, the BBC. on the BBC. Like there's there, there's loads of them. All over the place. I mean, okay, we, we're not sure if it's ever happened before, James, but I mean, how do you feel about it? It feels wrong, doesn't it? It feels wrong. Yeah, I mean, especially going from the BBC to ITV. I mean, that is not no Johnston. That's an act of that's an act of treason. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does seem strange. I mean, you know, when you're kind of signed up to one of these broadcasters and you're part of all their kind of pre-tournament literature mm. and whatever, and it's you know all made a big deal of. I mean, what's what's happened there? Is he has he not made the cut for that? Is he there while watching? <laughs> Has he not? Was he knocking on the door, the director general's door, didn't get an answer, so he's gone down good, to ITV? Good, I mean, good. I don't, extending, I don't really understand extending the metaphor, happened. very good. Um, I hope it turns out he hasn't paid his license fee or something like that, and it turned out to be a real scandal, and he's he's <laughs> he's just ITV at heart. I don't know. Well, I feel the question like is, hmm. I mean, now they're now they're through to the successfully through to the knockout stage. I don't know who, which which broadcaster has got or had the Wales knockout game but where will he appear where will he appear will he jump back over the fence if the BBC get the next game because they're going to want him because he is the man scored that goal he was that that man in 2016 he was that man Al Robson Carney so you think he's going to turn back and go he's clearly a free agent he'll be on B in sports next week (laughs) (laughs) no 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 Hal a Cruyff turn in your area in the penalty area that time no no no, Ollie Watkins wouldn't do that. So yeah, that's that's Euro 2020 matters over and done with. Dave, in the aftermath of England versus Scotland, there was a bombardment of content. A familiar favourite jumped out, which I hadn't really absorbed for a while. This is well, the first example of it I'd read properly for a while, and it's player rating. I'm fascinated by player ratings as a, as a kind of... I mean, they're, they're wildly popular. I mean, they're, they're well known to get clicks I, I don't want to disparage it but it, they are good for page views player ratings because they you know they're very simple concepts and they they play on your instant reaction impulse but I've never really sort of thought about the mechanics of the player ratings I've never had to do them myself so I don't really know whether it's a laborious thing or not but there must be certain rules to it like there must be sort of like what's your benchmark I mean for example do players start on a five or a six in your book um I'm trying to think the last time that I read player ratings it, w- it would have been a new I, I don't think I've ever read one online I think right. it's a, for me player ratings very much sidebar of the newspaper mm. sort of thing but when I think of the starting point I do sort of go to I sort of I, I, I go to football manager for, mm. for reference mm. and I think they all start on six in that I think I think six is like your bog standard he's not done anything wrong he's not done anything good sort of thing but five would make sense being the midpoint of the you know, of the zero to 10 situation. So it's confusing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, football manager has has a lot to answer for, isn't it, James? I mean, five is <laughs> a perfectly reasonable number to be out of 10 um, in the grand scheme of things. But six has now become average. Six is now the average, isn't it? Yeah, I guess I, it's a rare act of the 
British football media giving people a bit of a mm. chance and not and not just hammering them straight away, them up and knock them down. Yes, exactly, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, some questions from our listeners. Then we've covered that first one from Pelennium. But Adam Gray says a player can come on as a 90th minute sub, James, not touch the ball and still get six out of ten. He's right, you know. He's right. But let's not put a foot wrong. But but the key thing is they don't have to provide an explanation because. In the bits in the newspaper, you've obviously got the little, you know, six-word justification for the score. But then when the subs are on, it's just the name and the number. Yeah. Made little impact. Afterthought. Made yeah. little. Came on too late to make any impact. Um, is a set of words that has been used so often uh, near near paste. deadline in a newspaper over the last twenty-five years. I swear, Dave. Once again, Douglas French. Says half a point off for something bad, half a point on for something good. Start off at six points. Isn't that the universal rule on player rating? I mean, so okay, so you, let's let's agree that we we're starting on six. What mm-hmm. what are the first things that can take a chip off that or add something to it? What are we talking? What the, what the kind of? I mean, scoring a goal presumably is going to add like one or two. I think if you score a goal, you've gone from six to eight pretty quickly. But he's, the Doug uh, mentions the point five there, which is again is a championship manager you know thing if you know but i don't think it's a newspaper thing i don't think i've ever seen a point 0.5 in a newspaper no. unless i'm mistaken it's very no. much we are going solid numbers only yeah, this isn't, yeah, i think i think things that could knock you off could be you know succession of misplaced passes missing missing an obvious chance terrible tackle that leaves you know any, anything bad anything bad that visibly bad mm. because i don't again i don't think for, I could be wrong here, but I don't think the people compiling these ratings are obsessively looking over the data. I don't think they're calling up Tom Warville to look at the past completion stats. They're just, it's a very much, and I think this is a good thing, yeah. it's very much a, an eye test. Mm. It's, this is what I kind of think based on what I've seen and what I feel. Yeah, I mean, James, I guess if you're doing player ratings, there must be a point in the match where you think, oh, okay, this is going to be pretty easy. And then you just think, oh, oh shit, I haven't done... I haven't done Tyrone Mings. I haven't. What did Tyrone Mings do? And then suddenly you start panicking, thinking about all the things you might have done in the game. I and mean, that's pro- that's probably where this six thing comes from, isn't it? Right? You, you're kind of you want to go slightly in the middle, but you've not Just really been case. paying that much attention yeah. to what Tyrone Mings yeah. has been doing. So you think, well, I don't want to give him a five in case he's been good and I've just not noticed. So I'll give him a six, give him benefit of the doubt, and then kind of move on to Jack Grealish. Who I'm giving well, I mean, yeah, out, I mean, I think you're over. absolutely right. I mean, not to labour this point, but I mean, the, the cultural baggage between five and six is probably higher than any other digit of the player rating system. I mean, I, I, I can't think of something that would annoy people more than someone getting a five when they deserved a six. So I think the cultural modern day equivalent, right? Because I, I imagine in like the 80s or the 90s or whatever, you probably would have had top players because they obviously all had the journalist phone numbers back then, as, as we we're always told, would have like called up so-and-so from the Daily Mail and said, a five? You're giving me a five? Yeah. Whereas, to, whereas today, it, the only thing they get annoyed about is this, the old FIFA thing, isn't it? Oh, what, 73 yeah. pace? Now yeah. I'm easily yeah. 78, aren't but I? Apparently self-aware, but not really. Social media posts say, oh, it's all a bit of a joke, but they're actually mm. really pissed mm. off about mm. it. If, if there is one football-related YouTube video I'm guaranteed not to watch, it is a player reacting to his FIFA ratings. Uh, it's just definitely not going going to happen i do not care james on this theme i mean i mean it, it would appear to me that player ratings are a very serious job undertaken very seriously and rigorously but sometimes um the occasion demands it all goes out the window and we we end up with cartoonish numbers uh, ross fj suggests that if a team wins an important match say england versus germany 2001 all players get a 10. How do you feel about that behaviour? It's a bit, is it a bit? I, I can imagine, I can imagine that the Sun would have done that that night. I mean, that, and I think that's mm. fair enough. I think for a big sort of, 
national team performance, you know, in a game, an, an emphatic win like that in a big match. I, I think it's that's kind of a greater than the sum I mean, of its I, parts situation. Yeah, exactly. It's a national occasional win like that. I don't think you want, you know, I don't think you want to get too bogged down by, you know, Nick Barnby misplacing a few passes and, mm. you know, I just not, not really computing, not really contributing that much mm. off the ball, six out okay. of 10. As much as I, as much as, you know, I love David Seaman and, you know, very much enjoyed his appearance on last week's podcast. Um, I don't think you can give him 10 if he's conceded a goal. Nine, but I think the goal conceding... Well, 9.5 according to Doc. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'd, I'd love to see the justification for giving David Seaman an, uh, a 10 in that game, actually. I mean, they, they would they would have had to muddle something together, definitely. An offshoot of this, James, is the pre-match player ratings. Now, this is, this is done much less often. This is for big games like European Cup Finals or FA Cup Finals back in the day, where they would rate the players out of 10 for their kind of medium-term... Kind of achievements for their club and then they would total it up at the end to compare the teams it was a comparison thing like see how these two teams match up and it was always very suspiciously close like oh and then and then I, I couldn't help myself I would go back through the teams and find okay where have they engineered a point off here and I don't know De Bruyne are a six just so they get it closer you're both looking at me very blankly. Have, ne- have neither of you seen this phenomenon before? I, I, don't, I don't think I have. That seems like a sort of antiquated version of the kind of clickbait era thing of combined 11s. Yes. I- you know, you get like, you know, it's a North London yeah. derby and you get, you know, you know, the, the balance of power has swung in North London. So you put nine Spurs players in to kind of prove a point. There's only You're two Arsenal players right. in there. That, that yeah, kind it's of a thing. forerunner to the, to the combined 11. But no, Dave, I come to you with cap in hand. Newspapers used to do this. All our listeners, oh. 90% of our listeners shouting and saying, yes, they did. They did. And it was it was suspiciously close afterwards. No, I honestly haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Quite frankly, I thought this situation might happen quite a lot more on this podcast. So um, this is, this, <laughs> if anything, this is a collector's <laughs> item, a, a welcome collector's item. But trust me, everybody, it did happen. And it was oddly engineered to be close. On a final note then, Dave, there is a major international tournament going on. But of course, there is a transfer window that's open right now. And things are going on. <laughs> there was a transfer room this week. I have to say, I can't remember the details about it, but it, but it was essentially club linked to a player who's who's probably le- you know way out of their league, and uh, and and it, it brought the inevitable responses on Twitter. And, it was, and I feel like there is a system here that's adhered to the kind of sarcastic, yeah, well, you know, I'm keen on unlikely event X, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, and it it usually revolves around a date with a very famous pretty lady, doesn't it? And I'm, mm. I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is what is the chronology of this? I, I put it to you that it started off with Cindy Crawford, which is like at least <laughs> at least one generation older than us. And then it probably it it probably peaked again in the sort of Twitter area with Beyonce. And then I don't, I don't know who it's moved on to. So you, you put this in our WhatsApp group earlier on, which gave me some time to think about this. And uh, I don't know if Beyonce ever really, really would have been in that in that in that envelope i think cindy crawford certainly i can see my dad saying saying the cindy crawford line um i think in the 90s i could definitely imagine pamela anderson being being absolutely nailed on for this <laughs> when she was at a baywatch sort of height but in her baywatch pomp. yeah very absolutely <laughs> and, and then, baywatch pomp brilliant i i just i i think maybe it's a it's a quite interesting thing to think about this though because producer phil who's about five six years younger than some of us mm. he said megan fox sprung mm. to mind for him mm. she was obviously you know the first transformers movie was probably sort of mm. quite a huge cultural star then but nowadays like i don't and maybe this is probably a good thing because i don't feel like we have that same sort of pin-up 
girl no. that's sort of held up in like the tabloid Good. sort of culture that is like the one that we should all fancy. It's just, you know, it's just not really as much of a thing anymore. But then also producer AD, he did mention Kim Kardashian. So I so she probably is uh, as close as we've got to that sort of figure. But I certainly wouldn't say that. I would never go, oh, I'd fancy a date with Kim Kardashian. And I was, that's not going to happen, mate. I mean, it? why does it have to be a date with anybody at all? There are, there are other, there are other <laughs> unachievable things in life that we could attain to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, 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 why, why does it have to be so seedy? Why does the metaphor have to be so seedy? Yeah, it is an incredibly 90s yeah. thing. I mean, it, it does it does kind of all seem quite partridge mm. now. You know, it's ironic that we're taking the piss out of Richard mm. Keyes. It's definitely very much a thing in his realm, mm. isn't it, that? I'd like um, to be CEO of my own company, but that's not going to happen. Or I'd like to win the lottery. Yeah, I'd just, like to just do money things, you know. You know, it's, it's a bit more neutral. You know, it's it's twenty twenty one. I just um, I, I I did fear that this was going to be something where you'd look blank, both look blankly at me. At least at least that didn't happen. You're both fam- no. It's it's definitely yeah. a, it's, this is definitely a concept I'm yeah. familiar with, but I'm not really sure to place it because you don't hear people saying, you know, oh, I'd like to, you know, set up a successful app in Silicon Valley and make a reasonable amount of money. Most of which I then lose to, you know, a, a awkward divorce. <laughs> yes, yes, convoluted, <laughs> I mean, but would still work. David, it's a very similar concept to, um, like, in soaps where someone looks a bit worse for wear, and they says, "You look like you've gone ten rounds with Mike Tyson." Um, <laughs> I think I feel like Tyson's going to hold on to this for a long, long time. I can't see anyone sort of taking it off him. Hundred percent, because what the modern day equivalent, who's the most famous boxer in the world, Floyd mm. Mayweather, probably. Mm. Uh, evidently, like average men have gone twelve rounds with him recently <laughs> and come out for it okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, yeah, Joshua's kind of lost his aura. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Tyson Fury doesn't feel like the same. Anyway, um, a very important thing for us to have nailed down um, the sarcastic responses to unlikely transfer rumours. I'm really delighted we've nailed that. Tremendous, by the way. Thanks very much to you, Dave, for joining us. Enjoy your week. Thank you. Likewise, James, um, let's hope that the clamouring let's hope that clamouring clears and we have clarity on the clamouring by... No, I, dis- I disagree. Clamour away. Clamour you want away. the clamouring to continue? Oh, uh, yeah. It's the only interesting thing that's going well, on. Well, hopefully it? we'll have a definitive overview of the clamouring landscape by Thursday's episode. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. We'll see you on Thursday uh, in a podcast sense. Cheerio. It's contributed oh, nothing. Played. The Athletic. <laughs>